With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Husker fans. My name is Ken, and you're about to hear the very first episode of the Generation Red podcast. My oldest son, Scott, and I discuss the spring game, among other things. And at the very end of the show, we go game by game through the Huskers 2021 schedule, and we predict a win-loss record. Now, I can neither confirm nor deny that a lot of red Kool-Aid was consumed while we were making our predictions, but I can confirm that Southeast Louisiana was still on the schedule at the time of the recording, which we all know by now has been replaced by Fordham. So, as you hear us predict the Southeast Louisiana game, just remember we're actually talking about Fordham, and we all know the outcome is probably going to be similar. Anyway, here it is, episode number one of Generation Red, and may God... Have mercy on your ears. Two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. Cross to the middle. Juggle. Diving touchdown. Nebraska. Down. The kick is up. The kick is... Welcome to episode number one of the Generation Red podcast, the show where the hosts are not experts, but fans just like you. We've never played or coached, and until now... My son and I have only talked about Husker football around the dinner table, on the phone, or on social media. But now we're finally brave, or crazy enough, to use microphones. <laughs> My name is Ken, and I'm your host. And I'm your co-host, Scott. This show is a celebration of Big Red football, which we hope will feel like hanging out in the break room at work or with your buddies at the local Husker bar. Just keep in mind that we are the kettle corn of Husker podcasts which means we will try to keep our language sweet, but it may get a little bit salty. If you are good with all of that, then pull up a chair, pour a cup of coffee, or grab a cold beverage of your choice, and let's talk Husker football. We just got back from the spring game today. Uh, I've got a couple of fairly sunburned knees. Was We were lucky to keep our straw hats on the head. You'll find out more about the straw hats toward the end of the show. And, um, Scott, what did you think of, uh, the weather in the stadium? It was awfully nice today. Well, it was, it was a beautiful sunny day. Um, the wind was appreciated and loathed at the same time. Um, but it was just really good to approach the stadium, see the crowds of red, hearing the, the go big red banter, um, out and about and it really finally felt like Husker season was here um where I guess last year it just it never it never came to fruition it just seemed like a it it just seemed like a distant 
a distant memory. I don't even know how to explain it, but it was just a uh, it was just so refreshing. It was so refreshing to be in the stadium and honestly the wind as much as it was annoying, it seriously saved the day because it did get really sunny. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, it was plenty hot. There was no doubt about it. It felt right to be in the stadium. It was nice to see 36,000 people in there making plenty of noise. Um, and the action on the field was interesting in the first half with them basically playing two-hand touch football. Um, it seemed to me there's an awful lot of middle runs that were called on offense. And I'm like, playing touch football. All he's got to do is get somewhere in that interior line and he's going to be down. Um, so I was surprised they didn't run a lot more zone reads or, or at least outside runs off tackle runs and things like that, which, you know, Gabe Irvin did that on a, on one play. He, uh, got a handoff that was supposed to go right up the backside of the right tackle. If I remember correctly, and he cut it clean outside and he ended up turning it into a first down. Um, but anyway, as far as the game itself overall, you know, with the first half being nothing but touch football, I thought it was okay to watch. Uh, I thought the players looked fast. I thought they looked energetic. Um, but then come the second half when the white team really kind of started taking off and they were actually tackling to the ground, it was a whole different game. It seemed like they ran the ball a whole lot more and, uh, I'm liking the way the running game's shaping up. So that's kind of my overall thoughts on what happened with the game, um, other than a couple of players, which I'll talk about here in a minute. What did you think overall about what you saw on the field? Um, honestly, it was it was hard to get any sort of like solid take because I feel like this was the first spring game that I've seen where every single quarter it was a different it was a different framework that the coaches were trying to experiment with. Um, the first quarter just seemed like it was the ones and the ones they were just, they were just letting, they were letting the dogs out pretty much. Um, and they were doing some pretty, uh, the first play right out of, right out of the bat was a, was a trick play. What was it? Like a, what would you call that? Like a double reverse? Yeah. It was a pitch play. And then he ran to the, Looked like he was going to run outside, and then he turned around and he reverse passed back to Martinez. Yeah, so, and then Martinez just he attempted to bomb it downfield, but there was already a linebacker to him, and so he kind of had to sidearm it. So the first play right out of the bat was some trickery, which um, I guess is a Scott Frost uh, <laughs> thing. But yeah, uh, yeah the, just the first the first quarter was just yeah, it seemed like the dogs were out, and then. Uh, yeah, the first quarter or the first half was just super weird with yeah, it was just two-hand touch football pretty much. But it was but we discussed in the stadium, it was also kind of interesting to see that because you're really able to see the athletic reach that some of the players would go for to avoid being touched instead of being tackled where they know they can just tuck their shoulder and plow through somebody possibly. They really had to use their athletic ability to try and outmaneuver the person, which was interesting to see. And um, yeah, like my dad said, he I really uh, was – it was refreshing to see that over 70% of the plays – I'm just guessing – over 70% of the plays were run design. Um, and that was just super refreshing. Maybe it was just because of the way the spring game – 
the way that the coaches wanted to run it. Um, but that was that was that was pretty much my whole overall view of of the spring game was just that yeah they focused on the running game and that was really that was that's what I've been wanting Husker football to get to is just to shove it down your throat and make it make you stop us. Um, so hopefully that is some foreshadowing of what's to be expected. But then again, it could also just be some sort of like, we just don't want to show all of our cards quite yet. That's very much possible, but I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it at this moment. Rushing is cool. There was a couple guys for sure. Uh, let's talk specifically about a couple of players that really grabbed you. Um, so for me, there was two. There was uh, definitely a trimmed down Martinez. Um his first step looked much quicker. He looked far more decisive when it came time to run the football. And other than that wounded duck he threw for an interception right into the teeth of that wind, I thought he was pretty efficient throwing the football as well, other than that first pretty bad pass. And as bad as that first play from scrimmage looked, they went right down the doggone field and scored. And then after that, it seemed like they either the defense stepped it up a little more or they really just kind of backed off and didn't want to show too much and that resulted in two field goals they but they did score on three out of five drives so and it looked like they could have scored on the last one if uh, martinez doesn't throw that int so um he really stood out to me i think if he can stay healthy i can definitely see a, a team this team go into a bowl game if not surprising a team or two along the way and then um gabe Irvin. I was pretty impressed. He looked pretty um, slippery is a good way to put it. I've heard that term used about him before that he kind of tends to slither through the hole. And next thing you know, he's to the second level and they're like, oh crap, we got to chase him down now. And uh, when he did get a chance to avoid a touch tackle, he did. I mean, he, he instead of dipping his shoulder and running a guy over, he'd dip his shoulder out of their way and run around him. <laughs> it was like you do when you play tag, right? Someone's chasing you and they're reaching, you dip your shoulder down, you run as far wide as you can. And he had enough speed to get around the corner and turn what could have been only a one-yard gain into a first down. So I think it was a middle of the first quarter or something. So uh, he really stood out to me. And then when they were tackling, he really showed some moves in the hole because I think he switched to the white team in the second half. I don't remember for sure. Uh, but he showed some some moves in the ability to uh, to put his shoulder down and gain an extra yard or two once he's gotten contacted. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing where he ends up on the depth chart once the uh, actual depth chart comes out this fall. So, but there's a couple guys that grabbed you. Yeah, first one I'm going to I'm going to pull out is going to be uh Omar Manning. Um just from where we were sitting, he just he just physically his presence is more matured than anybody on our uh on our receiving core. Um I mean, maybe it's Maybe it's because he's got his jersey tucked up underneath his pads and you can just see his massive freaking six-pack gut freaking poking out. Um, but he just has a frightening presence. In one play in particular, which he dropped the ball, but I watched the whole play 
I watched the whole play, ta- you know, reveal itself. And he was on a post route, and he had oh, who was covering him? Uh, it might have been Cam Taylor Britt. Um, I'm might have been. I'll have to verify this, but he had him beat within two steps, and then he took a post. He was taking a post route, so he cut it to the left, and he was wide open. And and Martinez just put it right in his bread basket and um i wasn't but from our angle maybe the secondary the guy who's covering him got his arm around and maybe put the ball down i'm not sure but it was one of those dominating post routes that i don't think we've seen at all in the last three years um and if it has been there martinez hasn't seen it um and a lot of the reason why martinez i think hadn't seen it is because he hasn't had a receiver that he can trust to constantly get open. Um, and I think that Omar Manny is going to be that guy. If he can keep his mental health in check and he can stay focused, um, I think that he can really make a name for Nebraska um, this this upcoming season. Then the second one, which is uh, Yant. Um, Yaquez, I'm just going to botch that name up until I, I got it down, but Yaquez Jacques, Jacques. I'm just going to call him Jacques Yant because I actually like saying Jacques. Jacques sounds way, sounds cooler. So Jacques Yant is a freaking freight train. Like, like just has such an intimidating presence to him. And when, when the, the tackling was allowed in the set. All right, folks, sorry about the technical difficulty there. Um, Seriously, I really hope that this guy can be as big of an impact to this team as he gave the impression that he could be. Um, That he gave me the impression that he's going to be the first bruiser back under the Frost era, for sure. Um, Diedrich Mills, he was a physical back, but he was by no means a bruiser. And even though... uh, Even though... uh, God, I always forget his name. I just tried to remember it last time. Uh... Oh, Zigbo? Is that who you're thinking Zigbo, of? Zigbo, Ziggy. So yes, Ziggy, he was a bruiser back, but Frost didn't get him. He inherited him. So this is going to be possibly the first the first bruiser back that, that we're going to have in the Frost era. And then you add to that that he's a walk-on. And that just really creates a great Husker sandwich that I think everybody likes to eat. So um, he was just dominant. He just seemed like a step not even a step. He was just like like 30 pounds bigger than anybody that he was running into in the linebacker core. At least that's what it seemed like. Um, he had seven yards per carry. He averaged seven yards per carry. Um, and that was pretty that's pretty impressive considering that I feel like half of the half of the runs that he did were stopped within two or three yards. Um, so there were some there were some some lengthy runs that he was able to uh to accomplish um and like i said oh yes and then he's got the number zero and second year in the ncaa where they are allowing the number zero and it's kind of cool it is kind of cool he's our zero factor he's like if we if we need to get this ball to the to the chains we are gonna put this guy in and he's gonna make it happen that's what we have needed the last two years and we haven't had um so 
yeah, those are my two players would be, yeah, Yant and Manning. They just seem like they are physically a step ahead of everybody else, and Yant just is a walk-on, so that's just fun. So here's hoping. Here's hoping it actually plays out and we weren't just wearing our scarlet-colored glasses the whole time. You know, I talked about uh, Martinez a few minutes ago. Let's take just a couple minutes and talk about the quarterbacks. Ooh, let's do. Yes. I thought Logan Smothers looked a little tentative in the first half, which he wasn't mm-hmm. even going to get you know, tackled for the whole game. But it seemed like he got more comfortable in the second half, and it seemed like he's got to work on a little bit of arm strength, in my opinion. Granted, he spent a lot of the day throwing into the wind. So did Harburg. Uh, but it looked like Harburg's arm was a little better. I didn't see a whole lot of difference in speed when they both ran the ball. I thought Harburg looked like he was just about as fast as Smothers. Bigger. Harburg's definitely a lot bigger, so he'd be harder to bring down. So, you know, for me, what Frost had been saying earlier in the week about the fact that at this particular moment in time, they don't see any need to look into the portal for another quarterback. Do you think that that these guys are going to probably be fighting for that number two spot most of the year because Frost is not going to go looking for anybody else? I think so. I actually think they're probably going to be fine. As long as Martinez stays healthy, that's kind of a big deal. But, you know, if, if you got to go to one of those guys, you can't beat the uh, experience that you gain from going out there against a Big Ten defense, I suppose. And I think I feel a little bit better about both of them having to go in and back up Martinez as opposed to if if McCaffrey were still here. That Illinois game last year proved something. That kid, God bless him, had a whole lot of heart, but he certainly tried to do way too much. And I thought Martinez had a tendency to do that. But to me, it looked like McCaffrey really struggled with the idea of just throwing a ball away or getting down or getting out of harm's way. He just... I don't know. And then they need bolts. So I feel pretty good about Smothers and Harburg. It seems like they got pretty good heads heads on their shoulders. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you think they'll explore the portal or not? Honestly, they would be dumb if they don't. But I just don't think that there's any real estate for them to even find. Because the context of what they would need in a transfer quarterback is a huge ask of anybody. And like we discussed earlier, you made a great point when we were speaking earlier, you made the comment about why would somebody want to come here to be a guaranteed number two um, and foreshadowing to the next season, you don't have a guarantee that you'll be by default number one after that because Harburg and Smothers are going to give you as big of a run for your money as probably whatever previous college you just transferred out of you had there. So I don't think even if they looked in the transfer portal, which I'm sure they are, they're not dumb, um, finding the right candidate for that I just don't think is is tangible. I really don't. Um, and I, what I saw out of Smothers, I agree. There was some There was some hesitation, seemed kind of seemed kind of uh, almost overly conservative, um, maybe, as a, as a way to uh, observe it. But I, I'm not really sure. Um, I think between Smothers and Harburg, uh, yeah, Smothers is definitely way quicker. 
they I think when they're at their top speed, I think that there's very little difference maybe. Um, but Logan, the way that I saw it, I think Smothers definitely has that really quick first step like uh, McCaffrey had. Um, but he obviously has a little bit more of a put-together frame. Although Smothers, you could tell, between Martinez, Smothers, and Harburg, Smothers was the small guy. Um, even Masker, he looks small in comparison to Masker too. Um, so that is that is something. But obviously, Frost is used to working with smaller quarterbacks. Um, so it's probably right. not a big deal there. But yeah, I mean, if you look at his... Smothers had 13 attempts with eight catches. And that's actually the best of all of the quarterbacks he had he had the highest completion okay percentage um which is interesting i would never guess Um, that (laughs) i'm glad you looked that up yes and harburg harburg i felt like his arm was great and i felt like he uh he was accurate but he actually has uh, i think a 45 percent what i'm looking at i'm not good at math but he had 23 attempts with nine catches um yeah and that that kind of came as a surprise yes yes that's that is no bueno so um but at the same time i do remember there were a lot of bread basket pass passes that harburg did and they were just dropped well he made the Um, two or he he threw it right two that mattered right the two at the end so yes that that final drive was really cool um but yeah, I I think our quarterback situation behind Martinez. Oh, which Martinez? Yeah, I'll have to just say really quick. Martinez looks quicker. He looks decisive. He looks. I almost didn't recognize him for a minute just based on how quick he moved. I haven't seen him move that quick since his freshman year, like at all. So that was impressive. Um, and then when. Harburg and Smothers were running. This is what this is how I know Martinez is fast. I felt like Martinez looked quicker than both of them. Like I really did. I really felt like Martinez was quicker than both of them and I was like, "Okay, maybe maybe it's just you know, just in the moment bias because I'm just right there observing it." But I don't know. It between all three of them, I think that after the spring game the disparity between Martinez and who's right behind him, it shrunk a lot for me. Um, I'm not as worried about Smothers or Harburg running the show. Yes. Do I feel like they're going to be less efficient? Of course, because they're their number two for a reason. Um, but I think they're, the quarterback situation right now is good enough that I wouldn't even, unless a, a transfer quarterback just ends up in Frost and Company's lap, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, about that's. It. A, I think we were talking about that in the stadium uh, earlier because I think we talked about it midway through the third quarter, somewhere in there, and and it would be hard to find that perfect transfer quarterback because first and foremost, anybody that's in the portal is there for well selfish reasons, so it's going to be awfully hard to find a selfless player that's willing to come in and sit because there's an established starter that he's not going to beat out and not going to be guaranteed the starting job the next year either. She got two really talented kids behind him and they're probably going to bring in Mm -hmm. another really talented quarterback um, as a true freshman. And Mm -hmm. if you've noticed uh, the, the 
blueprint for what Frost is looking for in a quarterback is changing as well. You know, Harburg six foot five, yep. six foot six. MJ Morris is what six four, six five, I think. Then that Torres mm-hmm. kid down in Texas that they were hoping that was going to come in for the game today. I don't know if he ever made it or not, but he's in that six five, six six range. And then that um, what the heck is his name? He's in Louisiana. From he was born and raised in Louisiana. He's from Mississippi. Yes, I'm looking him up right now. Uh, Mooney. From, yes, I know who you're talking about. Reese, Reese Mooney. Reese yeah. Mooney. Reese Mooney. He's yeah. like six so foot six. Their blueprint for the quarterbacks changing too. They want a bigger guy with a good arm that can run enough to get himself out of trouble. I think they're going to go away from a l- little bit more of the quarterback run than they've gone away. You know, you don't need Martinez running twenty times a game because I think we've got a room full of of running backs that can get the job done. At least based on what I saw today. It looked like we had at least three between Irvin, Yant, and I think Morrison are top three backs coming out of this game. What do you think? I agree. Um, I want to make a correction. It was Richard Torres okay. who was six foot six, and it is uh, the Mooney kid. He's actually only oh, wow. six foot one, okay. but but he is still a right. pro style quarterback. Okay. Um, and of course, he has plenty of time to develop yeah, since he's he a could 20, grow two or three inches guy, between but... now and his senior year too. <laughs> he could, um, but were did were you trans? You were transitioning over to running back, right? Well, Is I that just, what you just did. Yeah, I was, was talking about happened? specifically not having to rely on the quarterback to run as much anymore because I think that's where Frost is moving the offense away from knowing that the quarterback can run will keep defenses honest, but knowing that we don't have to run our quarterback so much just to be able to gain yards on the ground will certainly help <laughs> with his health. You know, the Big Ten's a rough, rough tumble league, and uh, I think Martinez has struggled more because he hasn't been healthy since, well, the Colorado game of his freshman year. He's really never been the same until today. He looked like freshman Adrian, if not a little quicker, like you said. I think he moved quicker than Logan Smothers and Harburg as well. He just, he's got those long strides and he gets, he covers so much space mm-hmm. so fast, uh, much faster than I thought he did the last two years. So I'm excited to see where this season goes. I want to do plus minus and how this is going to work. And those of you who are listening to this, if you want to participate in this little contest, Scott and I are going to have a contest this season. We're going to come up with a couple of plus-minus topics, and I'll explain that in a second, where we each get to make a guess, and whoever guesses the most at the end of the season wins. It's We don't win much except bragging rights over the other one, but here's how it works. I'll give you a number, and you can guess either plus or not minus from the number, and if you guess plus and you're right, you get a point. If you guess minus and you're right, you get a point. If you guess the number, if you say, no, I'm going to go just with the number and you're right, you get two points. So my plus minus for this particular week is this. After watching six scholarship running backs today, except for Ramir Johnson, wasn't running, wasn't playing today, plus or minus one is the number of running backs who transfer out before fall camp starts. Ooh, um, <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? Hmm. 
I hadn't even thought about that being a possibility, to be honest. Um, but it makes sense. Um, if I were to just go off of my, if I were to go off of my gut, I would actually say minus that. I don't think anybody's going to transfer out at this point. Okay. Um, reason being is because I think that the only two people that I that I could see wanting to transfer out of here would be between Scott Tompkins. It would be three between three Scott Tompkins and Morrison. Um, just because I think that they're right in that sweet spot of like, you could be a starter, but you could be right behind a starter. Right. Um, and I think that those are the ones who really want to transfer out because they just want to be the starter. But I don't know if any of them have had a chance yet. And so unless they have that gut feeling that they've been given a chance and they haven't been able to fulfill it, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't think any of them would transfer out quite okay. yet. Okay. I can see I can I can see your side that side of that argument for sure. So you're guessing zero running backs will transfer between now and fall camp. Okay. Yep. I am gonna guess zero. one. And none of them are All the right. three that you mentioned. <laughs> Cause um I don't know if Ramir Johnson was necessarily hurt all that much as to why he didn't play today. Uh, in fact, they talked about it on the Saturday morning show of Hale Varsity that I happened to listen to on the way home. So it was obviously done before the game. But uh, Mark Craniak made the point that he thought that there could be up to two leaving. But for me, I think there's one, and I think it's probably Ramir Johnson. I forgot about Ramir Johnson. Um you had literally just mentioned him, but I feel like, yeah, okay, so maybe I retract that a little <laughs> bit because you can't guess yeah, what I, I guess like, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but I think that you might be on to something there, and I'll just have to hope that Ramir Johnson really feels like he can do something when he gets sure. off of IR. Well, and the good news is, is the way that this contest works is if we're both wrong, we don't lose any points. We just don't get any. So. For those of you who want to participate in this contest with us, please email us your answer at genrpodcast at gmail.com before our next podcast, which we're not exactly sure when that will be. It'll probably be a preseason uh, podcast going on somewhere during fall camp where we'll kind of go in depth in the schedule and maybe we'll do it uh, once we kind of get a better idea of what the actual um, depth charts are going to be. So that way we can kind of have a little bit of fun discussing that and also kind of breaking down the schedule a little bit, which we'll, we'll do here in a little bit on this podcast, kind of give a quick glimpse into what we're thinking a possible record for the team could be this year based on the schedule. So did you have a plus minus at all that you had kind of come up with? Honestly, I've been sitting here racking my brain with it and I would say, uh, if I were to just go off of the top of my head, uh, plus or minus two players who have season-ending injuries that are on their starter. They are starters oh, oh, oh. who have season-ending That's a good one. That's every bit as good as mine. Yeah, I like that. That's start. a good question. Season-ending injuries. Well, we know poor Adrian's been... Uh, prone and he's never had a season season ending one and with our luck this would be the season he would 
two players, both on offense and defense, of course. So two is it can a be tough either number. Side. Two is a tough number because it seems like the last few seasons we've had at least two guys uh, go Kaputsky right. on us. I know what the first year when Will Honus was here, he went down with season ending. I think we lost somebody else either on the offense or the and defense. And then we had, there was uh, yep, Deontay Williams. Down. Um, and then last year, of course, you had Colin Miller. And I can't remember if there was somebody on offense that got hurt for the year too. There, I think there was. You know what? I'm going to say plus. I'm going to say there's going to be three. All right. I'm just going to stick at two. I'm going to say just it's right. I'm just going to say right on the money. I think we'll have probably one defensive player. I feel like somebody in our linebacker core is going to go down. Um and yeah, I wonder if yeah, somebody I don't I don't even know on our offense because our offense is just so volatile and so unpredictable and it has been for the last 3 years. It could be a lineman, it could be a receiver, right. I don't know. So I would just say right at 2. I'm happy okay. with 2. I'm, I'm not happy with two. Yeah, we're the bearers of really good news in this but, segment today, aren't we? <laughs> we're going to lose one hey, running back yeah, maybe, and a couple of dudes we... are going to go down with season-ending injuries. Woohoo! <laughs> if anybody is is any sort of like superstitious, this is not oh, the no, podcast no, no, no. for you. No, definitely not. <laughs> what we're going to anyway. do for to close out the show is we're going to talk about those... Uh, those straw hats that y'all might have seen in our uh, photo that we did for a promo of the podcast that Scott posted on Facebook. Um, and that's because it's part of a segment that we're going to do each week called the straw hat segment. There's no real reason why we call it that except for the fact that we're going to wear these goofy flipping straw hats. Oh, no, there's a reason. Oh, there is? There's a reason. I, I didn't tell you this. Yeah, it's because... When a farmer is full of shit, they chew on their straw hat. <laughs> and we're pretty much, well, we should be wearing these for the entire show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but since, <laughs> you know, since it's the all-encompassing full yeah. of shitness, we're, we're going gonna go to go with the straw wear, hat so. segment because we'll really be full of it here. Because what we're going to do real quick is we're going to talk about the schedule. I cannot keep this stupid straw hat on top of my headphones, so you just can pretend I'm wearing it. Or I'll just hold it up there. There we go. I got mine I'll just, for I'll you, just dog. hold it Don't up there, kind of like I had to do in the stadium to keep the damn thing on my head. So, starting out with Illinois. New coach, Brett Bielema, who used to coach Wisconsin. Illinois already likes to play physical football. Levy Smith was pretty good at coaching that, and they beat the living daylights out of us the last two years, even though we won one of those games. I'm still going to call it a win, though. It's tough to come in as a new coach and, I think, get your guys to buy completely into what you're you're selling. So I'm going to call that a win. What do you think? I mean, I'm going to be wearing the straw hat, but I'm going to be very realistic. Um, <laughs> but I just can't stomach losing right out of the gate to Illinois. And I just, I agree. I think with uh, Brett Bielema coming in, even though I know he can coach and he can flip the system, I think mm -hmm. that he also is going to have kind of a frosty kind of thing. Not to the extent that I think... Husker culture needed to deal with, but I think that Bielema is going to want to do a little bit of a culture shift there, and I think that they're going to suffer a little bit for it their first year. Okay, that's just my gut feeling, but I think that yeah, we pull off a dub right okay. off right off the bat. So Next we got one, two W's. 
next one up. Yep, we got a win. Both of us got a win for Illinois. Oh, and I so, am writing down. I'm keeping track yep. of what we're keeping. Yeah, I've on. got them. So I'm gonna. I was writing them down actually in our text chain. I was just gonna text it to you when I was done too. So, perfect. Which you go ahead and write them down, and I'll still text them to you. Make sure that we both got it right. So why don't you go ahead and let me know what you think of the Buffalo game? So the Buffalo game, uh, you know, I'm just going to go off of my gut and just say that we win that game. I know that Buffalo is a is a well-coached and disciplined team, and they have had some success in the last few years, but their coach just recently got pawned off to the wonderful abyss that is known as Kansas. Um, <laughs> so, and it's Lance Leipold, right? That's who it yes. is? Okay, yeah. So I just... I don't know what kind of gas they're going to have in their tank at, at that point. So I just, I, I have a, I don't know. I have a gut feeling that we're going to struggle in the game, but I think that we're still going to pull off a win. That's kind of my take as well. I think it's going to be a hard fought one. In fact, I think it could be a really, really good prep game for popping down to Norman, Oklahoma the next week. If you get a good tough one and they figure out how to pull it out at the end, like say, Perhaps, God forbid, they're down by a score or two going into the fourth quarter and they managed to come back and, and actually win the game and finish the game. Or let's go with the really cool scenario that Buffalo's having a complete change on, uh, on culture. Who knows? They may promote from within and continue the same kind of success that they have because they already have a coach on staff that's willing to take Leipold's place. We don't know that. I don't know if they've even interviewed anybody yet. This could be one of those games where we're up by two or three scores and we actually finish and we stay up by two or three scores. And that could give us a lot of confidence going into Norman. So I'm going to go with the win as well. So right now we're 2-0. and As we make that trip down to Norman, where I think the initial line was uh, Oklahoma favored by three touchdowns. Does that sound about right to you? I'd say we lose, but I don't think we lose by more than 17. That's my gut. I I would agree with that. I think that we do lose um, just because we're going into Norman. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that Oklahoma is going to outbig us, but I definitely think that they're going to outfast us and they mm -hmm. are going to... Uh, just keep the foot on the gas pedal the whole time, and I just don't think we're going to be able to keep up with the pace that they're gonna that they're gonna set precedent for. But I feel like I think that we're going to make a name for ourselves by keeping it within a touchdown. Oh, cool! That's that's optimistic. I think you know what I think. I might agree with your position on on the final score more than I do with my own, simply because I honestly believe the most physical game that Oklahoma is going to play this season is going to be us. Yeah. There I just don't I don't think that the Big 12 has ever set themselves up for the bruiser mm -hmm. style of Big 10 football ever. I just they're just not that's not the way their conference rolls and right. I think coming in a third game of this isn't the aren't we only going to be Oklahoma's second game of the season? I don't know. Could we'll be. Have to I'll have to fact check that. Um I'll fact check it. Uh Real quick, but um, yeah, I just think that there's going to be a little bit more of a a shock to the to the to the to the country that the Huskers are going to hang, but we're still going to lose in great fashion. I I don't know how we're going to lose, but I feel like it's going to be we will lose that game, and that's it. We're going to lose it. 
Oops, I was muted. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, like I said, folks, we're not real professional here. Uh, <laughs> so Michigan State is next thing up on the docket. What is your gut feel for that one? My gut feel for that one is that we win, but it's another struggle for whatever reason. I just feel like they miss <sighs> who isn't isn't their coach their new coach isn't that the one from uh colorado uh oh mel tucker mel tucker mel tucker yes i think michigan state last year there were some there were some moments when i saw michigan state and i was like okay you guys are good but you suck or are you do you guys suck but sometimes you're good i don't know what is going on here um so that that worries me. I don't know what to expect from Michigan State, so I'm just going to take the last three years of Husker performance and think that we are going to give them a reason to win. But I still think that we'll win. So I'll call that a W with hesitancy. See, for me, Michigan State is one of those coin flip games because we don't know what kind of shape we're going to be in coming out of Oklahoma. We don't know. Hopefully we kept it within a touchdown, so we're going into Michigan State feeling pretty good, even though we've lost. I'm going to call it a win, too, mostly because I think Frost has written that loss to Colorado in blood, and the, and um, <laughs> he's going to want to exact a little bit of revenge, and I think that defense is going to be going I didn't to be even think about that. off at giving up probably 300 and some odd yards passing to Rattler from Oklahoma and they're going to be pinning their ears back and having some fun I think because I think that Michigan State line was pretty leaky last year that offensive line yeah I call it a win uh, like you said though I think it's going to be a struggle for about two and a half quarters and then I think we pull pull away and win probably by 10 I'm guessing 35 24 something like that so next up on the list I Northwestern Ugh. yep can they just go to the Eastern Division already, please, so we don't have to see them every year? That would be really cool. Because, God, it's it's a rock fight every time you got to play these guys. It's like they just bring rocks into the stadium and they beat you with them all day until you're bruised up and you can't play anymore. This, uh, this, this for me, is going to be the first loss. I don't know if... Well, doggone it, does, is that stupid linebacker that's been there for 12 years still playing this year? Did Patty Fisher graduate or is is he in the NFL? I want to say he went to the NFL, but I figured he would go to the second, first, second, or third round. Let me see. Yeah, it says NFL draft, something, something. No, they got of another one. Of course, it's not going to. They got uh, another one yeah. right behind him that'll play every bit as good for the next 12 years, too. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, they just seem to print those stinking linebackers in the middle that just stick their nose in there and won't let a running back go free, get free. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with it. I I still think this might be the next game where Nebraska stubs its toe. And I'm really hoping I'm wrong, but marking this one as a loss. At this point, I've got Nebraska at 3-2. and two. What do you think of the Northwestern game? I actually agree. I think that we'll do, if we win against uh, Michigan State in the fashion that you kind of stated, which is that we just kind of take it and run with it and win by at least 10. I don't think they'll ever get comf or lax. I really think that Frost has got it in our in our guys' psyche that every game is a grind. Right. But I, I don't know. Like you said, I think that Northwestern always shows up with a pocket full of rocks that they just put in their gloves and just beat you to a pulp. <laughs> um, and so I am perfectly comfortable with saying that we lose that game by a field goal. 
as usual. Michigan. Where are you at with Michigan? Because that one's, a, they're kind of a dumpster fire. I was actually going to say that we lose. I want to be optimistic and say that we just go in the dumpster fire and just take a giant steamy shit on it. But I just don't, <laughs> I don't, I just not willing to say that we are going to win against a Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State until we do. So I'm going to just say that we lose it and we lose it in dramatic last second fashion. That we have it, we have it, we have a win. Like, we are uh, in the lead, and then we do something boneheaded and lose the game for ourselves. So I'm going to chalk it off as, a, as an L. Well, it's it's in Memorial Stadium, so it's one of the first. Once you get past those first four games, we have got six out of eight games at home, and that's one of them. So Northwestern's at home, and then Michigan comes in, and they're at home. And this is where I'm going to diverge from you. I believe we win. I believe it'll also be in dramatic fashion. Kind of one of those right at the very end. Maybe it's tied at the end of the fourth quarter. We actually have to win in overtime. And it's kind of one of those reminiscent of Eric Crouch back in 2000 when we beat Notre Dame in overtime on a on a uh, touchdown run where they didn't even know he had the ball until he was damn near to the goal line. So I would say we win that and we probably win it in overtime. And that will be the springboard that sends us off to Minneapolis to play Minnesota, where we finally make the sweater vest stand on the sideline and curse for four quarters. I think if we play Michigan, like I think we're going to play Michigan, I think we go to Minnesota and we may not lay a beat down on them, but I think we beat them by two scores. So I've got Michigan is a win and Minnesota is a win. What's your thinking on the... I think that we're going to row their fucking boat. <laughs> I think that our guys coming off of what I would say is a loss to Michigan, which would have should have been a win like it's a winnable game that we lose. I think that we're going to have Minnesota's number by that point if things are going how I'm feeling they're going to go. If I'm going to make a bold prediction here, just random, off-the-whim, bold prediction. I think that Minnesota is going to be held to 10 points wow. or less. Well, yeah, they do lose because, what, their quarterback's gone. Their yep. best receiver's gone. They have a decent receiver that apparently made some made some hay in their spring game. Okay. Um, number four, I don't know who that was, but um, they were showing a bunch of highlights with this guy. But Okay. Yeah, they. I just don't. I just think our defense is gonna have themselves locked in, and they're just gonna. They're just. They. We're gonna take the water out from underneath their boat. They ain't gonna go anywhere. I like that prediction. And then we get Ohio State at home. Oh yeah, at home. And they will be new quarterback, new running back. I believe they've probably got a freshman kid that was pretty good this last year, but whoever was, what was, I can't remember his name last year. Well, they had the Oklahoma transfer. He's gone. I think obviously Justin Fields is gone. So whatever the next five-star quarterback they get from Georgia is, <laughs> will be the starter next year. Um, but that defense is always flipping good. So this is my next loss. And believe it or not, this is only the second game that I predicted a loss in. Oklahoma was the first one. And for me, this is the second one. Where are you at on it? Well, I don't know where I'm at on it because I think we're looking at two different schedules. Because um, my what's after Minnesota for me is Purdue on oh, October crap. 30th. I skipped one. My bad. 
My bad. Oh, that's okay. I you had me question myself there for a second, and I also had okay. the wrong so, schedule pulled up here to my left because mine goes. Yeah. So win. I'll change. Let's it. just rewind. <laughs> it's a win for me. I'll change it. <laughs> All right. So you've got win against Purdue. Yep. They don't have Rondale Moore. He's in the NFL now, and yeah, that's a win. That's a win, and it's at home. So. Yeah. Or no, I didn't do any sort of a, on the road, isn't it? That's a, no, it is at home. Son no, it's here. It's here. It's three in a row will be yep. at, three in a row will be at home. Yep. Mm-hmm. So okay, so yeah, that's a win. Yes, I also agree with that. I just don't think that Purdue. See, now I'm gonna I'm gonna question myself because I haven't done any research on Purdue. I don't know what they're loading up with. I don't know what their defense looks like. I don't know what their offense looks like. I'm assuming they're going to be physical. I'm assuming they're going to be competitive. I just don't know if they have any sort of like cornerstone player that makes that makes the team, um, like they would say Rondale Moore right. would have been. So, yeah, I think it's a W just by default, but that is just me just Well, we're default, just kind of so. we're spitballing this at this point for – We'll go a little deeper into the schedules once we get into fall. And oh yeah, we we sound super dumb even predicting this well, in yeah. the middle of at the, at the beginning of right, of right May, after a hey, spring game where they played two hand touch for a half. <laughs> just put on our little monocles and just oh, yeah, golly, we well, we never said this was going to be professional or informed. Dude, we're dumb. So yeah, as I said earlier, I see OSU as a loss. Though I think it'll be a closer game than the last few have been. I think it'll be more like that 2018 game where we put a scare into them for four quarters. But it's it'll be probably a 10-point loss, maybe 17. Yeah, I think that, yeah, Ohio State is just, they're still just too loaded and too good. <laughs> um, and until we are able to make three-and-a-half to four-star talent look like five-star talent, and we see it every single week, yeah, I just... I feel like it's going to be closer. I feel like it's going to be almost reminiscent of 2019 where we I don't think we'll keep it within 5 points, but I feel like we're going to make Ohio State a little bit nervous mm-hmm. just based on our physicality. Yep. That's it. That's the only reason why I feel like we're going to make them nervous is because I feel like physically speaking, we might be able to put our foot down a little bit more. But then again, that's exactly what I felt like this last year and it didn't look anywhere close to it yeah it was was... yeah and so we'll just we'll just avoid that some more (laughs) and go right into southeastern louisiana w probably i would say (laughs) i would hope Uh, yeah (laughs) i would hope so i yeah that's just W. I don't know how you feel. That about would be. It. What do you feel? That Dad? one. Uh, that, that that would be the game for me. That Logan Smothers and Harburg see an awful lot of time at quarterback, along mm, with build. Saucy. This is a depth builder, and if they can oh, figure yes. out how to move that game, which well they can't because Southeastern Louisiana has a game on the first weekend of September, so they can't move. We'd have to either take them off the schedule and get Bethune-Cookman or somebody to come in in week two or week one, technically. The Illinois game is technically week zero. But if they play the Southeastern Louisiana game after Ohio State, then yeah, that that's a get right after Ohio State, build some depth by getting some third, second and third stringers in the game, getting Smothers and Harburg plenty of live reps. 
Martinez hopefully is out of the game by halftime and not because he's hurt. That's a W. So after that, we've got Wisconsin. Got to go to Wisconsin. So, oh, that's a tough one. Because to me, that's a coin flip too. Because Barry Alvarez is retiring, so that steady hand that's been guiding the ship Mm. will not be the AD this this time around. And he's kind of had an awful lot of control as to how that football program is run. Um, mm-hmm. but Paul Christ is still there. Paul Christ still has a chip on his shoulder toward Nebraska because Mike Riley is one of his best friends. And he thought Riley got jobbed by getting fired after only three seasons. So I'd say it's a close loss. Three points, maybe seven, but I, I see that as a loss. Yeah. Everything that you said, yeah, with Barry Alvarez retiring, I'm super torn with this. I want to say like that it's a loss because it's in Madison. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to flip and I'm going to say that we actually pull off a W somehow here. All right. And I don't know why. I just feel I don't know. I just think W. I don't know why. I'm just going with my gut. Let's say dub. Alrighty, alrighty. So and that leaves us with Iowa at home. Yeah. And finally we beat those bastards with the last second field goal. 2017, that's what I see. And our field goal kicker is classy enough not to blow kisses at their sideline, but instead he pulls a Randy Moss and fake moons him. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say W because I'm just tired of losing to Iowa. And if if Austin is listening to this and if he makes it all the way to here... <laughs> just so that he can hear me say this, um, but fuck you. And I hope that I hope that not only do we win, but it's not even a last second. You know, like would it would it make me happy that we win a last second field goal to win the game or something? Just as like a like a ha ha, you've done this for to us for so long. Now you can taste how it feels. Right. I just you'd rather whoop. Yeah, them. I just don't. I don't. I just think that there's gonna be. Not only is it going to be that we will have scored in the last two minutes to win the game, but then Iowa attempts to go down the field to score, and then our defense says, no, suck a dick, and then we get a defensive touchdown, and we just really seal it off. That's my bold prediction is a defensive touchdown is what seals the win because Iowa's defense has been the thorn in our side the whole time. It's never their offense that wins the game. It's their defense that shuts down the Scott Frost offense. So it's like, all right, we'll just give you some of your own medicine and have our defense just doink you a good one. You know, pick pick six or a, 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 what is it, a scoop and score. We just throw their quarterback Mm -hmm. like, ooh, like they did Martinez. Mm, But we recover it. There we go. Yep. So that's just me being salty, uh, but... You know, go figure. We'll probably lose, and then Austin can just, you know, rub it in my face some more. But anyway, that's it for the very first episode of Generation Red. Congratulations, whomever still happens to be listening through all the belches and me fiddling with my headphones and my straw hat noise in the background. I appreciate it, though. You probably won't get to hear it when I get this episode put out there because (laughs) editing. Anyway. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. If you want to keep uh, reach out to us and hang out with us on our Facebook page, you're more than welcome to do that. You can find us at, well, at the same place on both Facebook 
and YouTube. And that would be do a search for the Generation Red podcast and you will find us. And um, who knows, somewhere down the road, we might live stream this thing. We'll see if I could ever get good enough tech or internet connection here at home to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we really appreciate you guys listening. Go Big Red. And uh, yeah, one team, two generations, the same passion. And uh, have a good one. We'll Thank see you, you. next time.